Hey, Catholic Divas, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to share with you this episode where we talk about remembering about being daughters of the King and that the good Lord desires the best for us. And so come on into the podcast and hear all about it. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hello, all you Catholic divas, and welcome back to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. I hope you found Emily Adams on social media and that you began following her. She's such a beautiful soul. And I hope that you've also taken some action in loving our priests in your life. If you haven't followed or liked or subscribed to this podcast, please do so today. You know, I have had a lot of women in my own life that have really enjoyed the episodes in May and they've come and talked to me and shared with me. But what would really bring me great honor is if you would go into the podcast and just write a review, give it a five stars. That helps me get the word out. But more importantly, it really gives me feedback on whether I'm serving you or not. And it also gives other people the feedback that other people are finding this interesting too. So in my first podcast, I defined some terms in order that we would all be on the same page of understanding so that when I'm talking about cycles, we know what we're talking about. So today I want to go back and I want to further identify the difference between fertility awareness and natural family planning. I told you before that as a fertility coach, for me, every single woman who is menstruating deserves to know her natural body signs of fertility and infertility. It's my opinion that for a woman to understand her fertility is just as important as her understanding her digestive system. If your body is telling you the signs, if it's healthy, then you should be able to recognize those signs. And if you're having trouble determining what those signs are or annotating those signs, then you know what? That's the time to come reach out to me as your coach. I know how much a coach can make all the difference. I remember when I was on the tennis team in high school and I had a tendency to hit the ball out of the court in a particular way. And I just always figured that it was the way the ball was coming at me, but it was my coach who observed how I was hitting the ball and she saw how my wrist was moving that would create this crazy spin on the ball and then it would go out. And so she would work with me so I could correct that. And when I was able to correct it, my level of playing increased simply just through that adjustment. So as a coach, I've done the same thing with my clients, and it really does bring me great joy to assist a woman to understand her own body signs, to have that confidence of understanding what that means, and to just really chart well. As a fertility coach, here's how I see the difference between the terms fertility awareness and natural family planning. It's just very simple. Are you single or are you married and having sex? 
Remember, I said that fertility awareness is primarily used in the medical profession, and we usually typically will show our charts to our medical professionals when we have an anomaly in our charting, and so we need some further testing. And personally, as a as a fertility coach, it's one of the reasons why I like to partner with medical professionals like OBGYNs, nurse practitioners, functional medicine, health providers, or even hormone coaches, because I see that as a team, the client and her medical professionals and her fertility coach can all work together to help her figure out what's going on. Charting our cycles can give us added information about our overall health. Remember, ovulation is that fifth vital sign of a woman. So if you're not ovulating, there can be serious health issues that can develop. Typically, fertility awareness primarily focuses on the health of our cycle. Now, I'm not saying that if you're married and having sex that you shouldn't also be worried about your health. You absolutely should. And I have had many married women come to me, as I shared with you, my infertile couple that is successfully having their third child. There are many married women that will come to me concerned about their health. But as a fertility coach, the way I use these terms differently is really in the way I teach. So when I'm teaching a young single woman, I focus primarily on her bodily signs so that she can determine whether her body is healthy. I don't teach the rules of natural family planning to a single woman. And when I have a engaged couple or a married couple come, then that's when I teach the rules, whether they are trying to achieve pregnancy or whether they're trying to postpone pregnancy, it doesn't really matter. So now guess what? I am going to discuss a very hard topic, sex. Yep. And as I've mentioned, our bodies give us natural signs of infertility or fertility, which just means that we can either have sex and not create a baby, or we can have sex and possibly create a baby. But here's the most important thing that we need to understand, which the world is not telling us. Sex is reserved for marriage. Now, please hear me out. Do not stop the podcast. Do not delete me. Please just listen to what I have to say. This is so, so very important. And really, before I begin going any further with this teaching, I want to share with you my own personal testimony. So while I had a very incredible, incredible encounter, personal encounter with our Lord Jesus in middle school, and I I had a desire to follow him, I really wasn't given that opportunity to be catechized, which simply means to understand his plan and how I should be living my life so that I can know him, love him, and serve him on this earth and then therefore be happy with him in heaven. And later on when I was in college, I was still seeking him. And so I was attending a lot of different Christian denominations until one summer, my dad demanded that as long as he was paying the bills, I would attend the Catholic church. And so, of course, I went back to school obedient, but with a little bit of a defiant attitude because I wanted to know what the Catholic church taught so that I could prove it wrong. But what I discovered was that the Catholic Church had the fullness of the truth. And at that time, I wasn't really focused on the moral teachings of the church. I was really just kind of focusing on the theology. You know, what did the church say about Mary? What did the church say about the priesthood? Those kinds of things. And I also probably knew in my heart that what I was actually living wasn't morally correct. 
because, of course, God gave each and every one of us a conscience. But the world was telling me that this is how young college students behave. And so that's what I was doing. Looking back at it, it also makes sense because now I understand the tactics of the enemy and he wants us to stay in the state of mortal sin. He tries to ease our conscience when we're in the state of mortal sin and trying to make us think that we're really not doing something bad because he doesn't want us to convert and repent. I was leading a double life, basically. And unfortunately, I suspect that a lot of Catholics today also do this, which is why I want to have a conversation about this, because I was acting one way on Sunday, going to Mass, but then the rest of the weekend, I was not including Christ and I was not living a holy life. So, you know, if this sounds like you, please understand me. I'm not judging you or condemning you. I'm only speaking out of compassion and love. So when I was in college, I did know that I wanted to get married and I wanted to be a wife and a mom, but I never really considered that what I was doing in college was going to impede that decision. But you know what? Thankfully, God is so good and he came to my rescue. St. Paul tells us that where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And I can say that I am a testimony to that statement. And now I also understand as a Catholic mindset coach, the importance of how our own free will and cooperating with God's grace is. As a catechist, I also understand the importance of accompanying another on their journey with Christ. So please listen to me carefully as I share what I've learned and experienced in order for me to accompany you on your journey with Christ. My husband and I really were not given a very good marriage preparation. It was pretty quick. And for some reason, the priest just kind of, I don't know what he thought, but we weren't really even asked whether we were living a chaste lifestyle and we weren't given that opportunity to even go to confession. And I did not understand how grave that situation was until after we were married and I started to begin to study the faith. And it was in our third year of marriage when we were on a retreat that I was actually told that marriage was a sacrament. See, I was so ignorant. I didn't even understand what a sacrament was. And just for those of you who might be in that same mindset, I'm just going to remind you that the Catholic Church teaches that a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace. So when we're in the sacrament of marriage, the outward sign is actually the husband and the wife. Okay, we are the outward sign. And God instituted this sacrament. And the primary mission of marriage is to grant grace, right? And so it was at that retreat that I really started to understand that the sacrament of marriage is my path that God is calling me to holiness. I'm telling you, it was a metanoia moment for me, a moment of conversion. And like I said, I was poorly catechized. I just, I just didn't know. I didn't know. And, but you know what? God is just so, so good. If you have a desire to know, he is going to give you those graces. And so all I can say is that my story is truly a story of redemption. I remember reading in scripture, what St. Paul told the Romans, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. That's Romans 12, 2. So in humility and undocility, I knew that if I was going to glorify God in my marriage, then I needed to renew my mind and my thinking of what marriage is, according to Christ. I also had understood at that time 
that the Catholic Church is the one true church that transmits and protects the deposit of faith. And so therefore, I understood that I needed to study the Catholic Church on what the Catholic Church talks about, what the Catholic Church teaches about sex, about marriage, about children, and then generally how to live that out in my life as a married woman. And this is pretty much my journey for the past 36 years. Our Lord is continually renewing my mind and drawing me ever closer to him through my vocation. And so the more I study and the more I pray and the more I practice what God is showing me, it's kind of crazy because now the happier I become, I have truly stepped into what I call the unique call to sanctity. St. Catherine of Siena tells us, be who God created you to be and you will set the world on fire. Well, I have come to understand that God created me to share the good news of women's bodies the beauty of marriage, the wonders of the marital act, or what we call sex. Here is what I've come to understand. The union between one man and one woman in the sacrament of marriage is so powerful that that union is celebrated in the marital act. And when I coach a couple on natural family planning, I remind them that when they have intercourse or the marital act, they're actually renewing their marriage vows. And this is the reason as a fertility coach, I distinguish between fertility awareness and natural family planning. I want to submit to you the understanding that sex is a holy act. We are not taught that in the world. But St. Paul writes to the Ephesians in the fifth chapter of his letter to the Ephesians that husbands should love their wives as Christ loves the church. Christ poured out his whole life for the church, and this is the fullness of the church, and this is the fullness of the truth that I just really never understood as a young woman. When we become sexually active with another human being, we come together in a way that really we don't even understand. Biologically, we know that we have a hormone called oxytocin. It's typically referred to as the love hormone or the cuddle chemical. This is a hormone that is released in our bodies when we either physically touch one another or we're hugging or cuddling. And in a woman's body, it is also released in three different times of her life at orgasm, when she's giving birth, as literally as the child is coming through the birth canal, and when she's breastfeeding her child. Isn't that interesting? All three of those are life-giving moments of a woman's life. And that's when oxytocin is released. And it's also called the calming down hormone. But see, when we practice what the world's way of living, and we have multiple partners or one night stands or easy hookups, purely for the satisfaction of our passions, see, we don't realize what we're doing to ourselves or what we're doing to the other person who we have said, I love you. But true love is willing the good of the other for the other's own sake. This bond is so powerful, we don't understand what we're doing. It's not good for us to practice the cultural norms. As a matter of fact, I have a personal horrible experience in college that because I didn't understand this, I almost didn't even graduate because I developed a severe depression my spring semester my senior year and my grades dropped so drastically. I had been in a serious relationship, or at least I thought it was, and 
that oxytocin became very strong on my body when he broke up with me and I didn't know what to do. See, I believe that he said what he said when he said he loved me. But now that I look back, I can see that it was all based on a lie. He didn't really have my best interest in mind and he didn't really love me, nor was he really showing me that love by protecting me or supporting me so that I could become the best version of myself. He said he loved me because he simply wanted to have sex. And the world told me that I'm a young 22-year-old and I'm independent and mature and responsible, so I should be engaged in this activity. What I didn't realize was when I stopped engaging in that activity, how it was going to affect my emotions and my mental state. God created man, male and female. He created us to be companions. In the letter of the Ephesians, before St. Paul talks about husbands loving their wives as Christ loves the church, he tells wives to submit to their husbands. Now, unfortunately, in this day and age, the word submit is not used correctly or defined correctly in this society. And so when people read that part of the passage, they just kind of gloss it over or they skip it. And it's funny because as a matter of fact, when we got married, my husband and I actually chose that passage as our second reading. And I remember my stepmother questioning me on this reading because both my husband were in the military and I was pretty independent, right? And I didn't understand the passage then. I just simply knew that this was the word of God and it must be true. And I wanted to have this as part of the reading. And now I understand the word submit. It's the verb from submission, which actually means under mission. God desires husband and wife to complement one another, not compete with one another. The husband is the head of the home and he has his mission. And the wife as his partner and companion has an under mission. When I started meditating about this, again, using my military experience, I realized like the commander has a mission and the first sergeant has this under mission in order to accomplish the mission. He has different duties, but they complement each other. And that's exactly what it is with a husband and a wife. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Have that under mission. But when we're not united in the sacrament of marriage, we can't receive the graces we need, and we don't invite our Lord into this union. When we choose to simply either hook up or live together, then what we're doing was actually living a lie. And we're acting like husband and wife without truly being a husband and a wife. And when we're sexually involved with another, not only are we lying with our bodies, but we're lying with our hearts, our minds, and our souls. We are living a double life. We're actually practicing schizophrenia. I find it interesting when a couple has lived together for years and then finally decides to get married and they run off to Vegas or have some other kind of celebration of a wedding that's not in the Catholic Church. It, it's not a real thing. And yet, because of their actions, indicate that they have this desire, they have this knowingness that marriage is good. So here's the question now. What do you do if you've never really considered all this and are sexually active? Well, to be completely honest, it, it can be a difficult change. 
When we become sexually active, many times we neglect the other ways to build a relationship. And for women, many times our beliefs about ourselves can be wrapped up in this activity. We've been told by men, oh, if you really love me, you'll have sex with me. Instead of what a man should say, I really love you. And so I'm going to wait for you until you're my wife. And because of the oxytocin hormone, we're actually become addicted to sex. Many times we've been sexually active for so long that we think we can't turn back. But here I want to submit to you an idea about turning back. This is what I call secondary virginity. Now, we know physically that a woman who has been sexually active isn't really a virgin anymore. However, secondary virginity is more of an attitude and a way of life. It's choosing the virtue of chastity. The gift of chastity is the integrity of the whole person. Isn't that beautiful? Many times we think chastity is, oh, I just have to, I can't have sex. But really what it is, is the integration of the whole person. So if you've been wounded mentally or emotionally, I really want to invite you to look into the spiritual fruit of chastity. It's a spiritual fruit, the Holy Spirit that gives that fruit. And there's even a whole section in the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the vocation of chastity. It's paragraphs 2337 to 2359. And I, I do, I want to encourage each listener to go and find that section of the Catechism and read it, read it and meditate on it. It's pretty intense, but it's a beautiful, beautiful section. And will, again, it'll help you renew your mind and understand God's will for your life. It's funny because when we use the word chastity, we automatically think of like teenagers or young people. But in reality, every single one of us is called to be chaste. In marriage, we also have marital chastity. And I'm going to discuss that a little bit later on another podcast. But today, I want to encourage each and every one of you to consider your own behaviors and your own understanding of the marital act. Do you have sexual sins that you need to confess? Or are you not married right now and you're actually sexually active? How would that relationship change if the sexual relationship became chaste? If you're listening to this podcast and living together, or you've been married and not in the Catholic Church, I want to encourage you to go and speak to your priest about your situation. Remember, God delights in marriage. He desires to give you the best wine like he did with the couple at Cana when Christ performed his first miracle in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter. It may not be an easy road to come fully back to our Lord and his church. I don't know the whole situation, but I want to encourage you to have courage and to have hope. God never abandons you. Christ wants the best for you. And the best is when the sexual act is inside the sacrament of marriage. It's only then that it becomes holy and good and beautiful. If you remember in episode three, I discussed the graces of the sacrament of confession and making a general confession. I really want to exhort you to confess any and all sexual sins. This was personally my biggest part of my general confession when I made that general confession years ago. And it did. It, it changed my interior life and it also changed my marriage. Remember, the only sin that God cannot forgive is a sin that we do not confess. So bring him all of it. 
bring him all of it. I promise you, you are going to know his love and his mercy like never before. And I want to encourage our beloved priest to stand firm and be courageous in speaking to couples on this issue. You know, I I used to ask my husband, I I wonder why our priest never spoke to us about this, or I wonder why he never asked us to go to confession before our marriage, or I wonder what difficulties we would have avoided had we known better. But my husband, being the logical, deep, faith-filled, practical man that he is, used to simply just shrug his shoulders and tell me, well, that's the past and we can't change what we've done. We can only move forward with God's grace and we've gone to confession and we're living the way God wants us to live now. And so that's what we've done. If I can help one young woman to consider the road she's going down and change her path to understand just how much our Lord loves her and has a plan for her for good and not for evil, then that's what I know I'm called to do. Sometimes we forget that we are daughters of the King. He created us. He thought of us. If he stopped loving us, we would cease to exist. Now, it's not that we would die. It's that we would cease to exist. Think about that old Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey wished he'd never been born, and then his angel allowed that, and how his whole world changed because he didn't exist. That is truly the drastic truth of each and every one of us. But see, God does love us, and you do exist. He desires the best for us. And the best is keeping sex within the context of marriage, which is why when you come to my classes and you hear me use the word marital act, because remember, sex is good, sex is beautiful, and sex is holy. God created sex. He created us to enjoy sex. He created sex to have a specific purpose in his plan. But see, the enemy is a thief. Christ told us in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, a thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Please, dear sisters, do not let the enemy destroy you anymore. Live the life Christ has for you. If you are a single woman, I exhort you to be chaste and to be holy. And so for me, there is a big difference in whom I'm teaching and how much I will teach. If you're single and not engaged, I will only have you as a coach for fertility awareness. Let me be clear, this is very important. And I find that when I teach young single women to understand their bodies in this way, and they master the art of charting, they become more self-confident. And then I get to also enjoy when they have chosen, they found their their beloved and they're engaged and they bring their fiance back to my class for marriage preparation because they're already confident in their charting. The young man also becomes confident that this is a method that works. And as an instructor, when I'm teaching natural family planning or NFP marriage preparation, I give the rules to the men because the men are called to be guardians and protectors of our families. And this is so good and holy practice for them because men get to learn how to practice self-control and perseverance and prudence. So whether you're single, engaged, or already married, understanding how to chart your cycle can be a path to your own holiness through practicing so many virtues. And it's a tool for your own health that you can use until you're postmenopausal. 
there are just so many benefits of charting. And I would be honored and delighted to become your instructor and your coach. I just ask you to please reach out to me. I'm going to include a a link for a free 30-minute coaching session to find out how I can serve you. Let me close with the blessing that St. Paul gave to the Thessalonians. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Have a great day. I will see you next week. And please write a review. Ladies, my last two thoughts on this episode is, first, I would encourage you to journal on your own thoughts about your sexual activity. And then second, if you are called, as we talked about going to confession, I really want to encourage you to go to confession and just confess all those sexual sins. I promise you, Jesus will always forgive all of our sins if we're truly repentant and desire conversion. So I want to hear about your experiences. Please give me some feedback. I look forward to seeing you. God bless you.